chilly. Everybody came in today with puffer jackets and <laughs> Simon looking like a sailor. Yeah, his toques and his beard. You got to new work for me. <laughs> Down by Just the, work docks. In the docks. Yeah, exactly. Everybody's cold. Everybody's freezing. Apparently it's going to warm up this week though, at least. I'm still cold. I'm still cold. I was outside. I was like, what's the point of this? I might as well go back to the Yukon. <laughs> this is how it's going to be, Ontario. I was promised a different life. This is the promised I, land. Yeah, I came here for something different. <laughs> I woke up this morning and I opened up my weather app. Frost warning. How dare you? I came here for a new life. How dare you? Uh, wow, that was one hell of a sports weekend. I feel exhausted. It's Monday. I worked <laughs> the entire weekend. It was one of those weekends where I just wanted a moment away from sports. And Saturday they went, hey, you know there's college football you want to watch? Because you, your team, by the way, my team, oh, they might be special. And finally, this is something I've actually never experienced before in my life. Because I had Matt Hasselbeck, he was corny with the Seahawks. I've had Russell Wilson, who's phenomenal and now underrated and underappreciated in his time because of the way that things fell out. But bo- corny, All right? time cornball. I have Michael Penix Jr. Hey. The coolest cool quarterback, yeah. the coolest quarterback yeah. and also good. It's so enjoyable. <laughs> it's so, and I'm just so invested in them making the college football playoffs and thinking that they could actually do something after that Oregon win. It just kind of feels like a special season. And then all of a sudden UFC has dropped in my lap Saturday afternoon. I went, okay, all right. I'm excited. Let's watch UFC. Put on a pot of coffee. Let's Keep get it this going. going. Let's get this going. Leafs talk. Boom. Get that done. Get Jobo on the call. And then, yeah, Sunday, just all day on the couch, football, playoff baseball, sexy one again last night. Playoff baseball is so good right now. So good. I'm trying to prep for the NBA season. I'm reading articles, getting ready for an interview with Evan Turner today. I'm going to tape and play tomorrow. Cannot wait. Got a great podcast. Interesting guy. Like, we're in it. We're just in it. I'm in full. What did LeBron call it when he went to play Zero Dark? Oh, is that Zero Dark 30 or whatever? But it was what number was zero dark 23 did yeah, you maybe. do that yeah i think he did that that's me right now i'm just in the bunker i'm just bunkering in the bunker with the tv nobody can get a hold of me i did go friday but nobody's 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 cracking the cone of silence what's the superman place fortress of solitude that's me right now fortress of solitude with the tv and with all the sports anyways leafs to start sean avery in a few minutes can't wait to talk to him I would say one of the all-time great Leafs haters right now. He's putting up, he's pound for pound. You got, he's in the conversation. He's right there. He's vying for it. So I'm curious to hear his thoughts after the Leafs kind of put his beloved lightning in their bucket over the weekend. <laughs> so uh, just a couple quick things on Leafs uh, before we get to Sean. A couple of my own thoughts on this. Number one. That's the team that you hope the Leafs can be, sort of at their ideal. Not the goaltending part of it, not the falling down 3-1 and having to come back, but the waves of offense, right? I said it on Leafs talk, but they had over 80 shot attempts in that game. 52 shots on net. And they actually may have figured out something with the lines, which is probably the thing that you have to be most optimistic about. Because let's, let's be honest, those first couple of games, and maybe this is just a byproduct of always having to juggle your bottom six and a salary cap is... Leaf fans really want to win. I want to see the team win. Everyone wants to see the core four capitalized upon and not have it go out with a whimper, which it would be if they get out of this with one playoff round, two 
first round exits, who knows? Whatever happens over the course of the next four seasons with Austin Matthews. But yeah, there's there's anxiety around this. And people carry over the team from last year into the team this year, every time. And this happens, this has happened actually the last couple of seasons, especially because the Leafs have gotten off to slow starts. But they're cycling in a bunch of new forwards because of the salary cap. And the not only just the flat cap, the fact that their guys happen to make a ton of money. They have to make tough decisions and they have to figure out on the fly very quickly under expectations, under a ton of scrutiny, how the rest of the roster is going to work around this team. And it can get reactionary. I know I'm reactionary. I got a job to do. I got to come on here and I've got to talk about the team. And this isn't going to change my opinion about the puzzle pieces fitting. I think that some of these guys are pretty awkward fits and we're going to have to see how some of them are going to be able to impact the Toronto Maple Leafs winning in a positive way for significant stretches before we start to get overly optimistic. But if you were Brad Tree Living and you were sitting up there watching that game, you thought, this is what we're hoping for. This is what we needed. A team that just doesn't have one line that's forceful, that they can bump William Nylander up to the top line and still feel like they're going to have offense within the other two. And that's exactly what they got on Saturday night. And that was what was so exciting about this team on Saturday. And so they're searching for these lines, searching for these lines. I don't think that Sheldon Keefe is going to decide that this is the way that we're going to have it here, that these are going to be the line combinations. But maybe, just maybe, just maybe, he found something that might work for a little while. Maybe, just maybe, he'll give a little bit of runway to the three lines that we saw from the second period onward in that Tampa Bay Lightning game. And that was the big three all up on the top line. Bertuzzi with Tavares and Yarncroc. And Kampf, the guy you paid to be a third-line center, but then sort of forcefully jammed down as a fourth-line center and weren't playing any minutes, who performed admirably and actually didn't get enough love probably on Saturday night's Leaf Stock. Thank you for watching. Thank you for subscribing, doing all those things, leaving five stars, being a good person. Because Domi and I stole the show. Even though, again, Camp was brilliant in the dots, created a bunch of turnovers, actually one that led to the goal. So those three lines kind of worked. And let's be clear. If the Leafs are a three-line team, that's a huge win for them because they were a two-line team. And that fourth line, I don't think is going to turn into much anytime soon. I, I don't think that Pontus Holmberg, Ryan Reeves, Noah Greger are going to be causing anybody to regret that kind of a take of, yeah, I don't really think that's going to be a forceful, impactful group sort of just a mishmash of guys wherever they're going. That's, that's like when you have chores that aren't high priority, right? You're like, I gotta, I gotta clean. It's not the bathroom and a girl's coming over. It's like the office is cluttered. I'll deal with it later. I'll deal with that later. I'll, I'll organize things later. Organization. That's the one where it's like, yeah, organization is important. It's good. It's clean, but it's not present. It's, it's not, you don't have to do it right away. So I, I like those three lines. I thought that they looked pretty good. It's very, very strange to have all three up on the top line. And I have my doubts as to whether Keefe is even going to keep trotting that out there for Wednesday's game because it just looks so loaded. It, fe it feels like the rest of the lines are pretty incomplete, but I kind of liked it. It feels like every single line has a bit of a defensive conscience where maybe they didn't have it before. Like, obviously, the top line is the top line. You have Matthews and Marner together. The, the argument should be, oh, yeah, put anyone with them because they should be able to produce. But we saw Bertuzzi was sort of the undercover, quiet, 
hey, this is a bit of a slow start for this guy. Everybody was focused in on Max Domi. Everybody was focused in on the blue line and the pairings and Jake McCabe and the goaltending. And he had fallen by the wayside, right? Hey, Fraser Minton. Hey, don't worry. Bertuzzi's going to be fine. Bertuzzi's going to be fine. Bertuzzi's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But he hadn't looked great with those guys. He had some moments where he looked really solid, I thought. He's had some really good shifts, maybe a good period, too many penalties. He goes with Tavares, noticeably good. Might be something there. Might be something to just experiment with a little bit longer and take a peek. And we know that Yarncroc is one of those guys where if you put him up the lineup, he looks better with the, the better players. We know he works with Camp, So you have that luxury. Hey, he's malleable. The, other, the thing that I'm definitely doing right now is trotting out those other three guys and saying, hey, Nyes and Domi, you had a little bit of chemistry. Don't mess with it. And, and I know, I know that that meant something because even Sheldon Keefe said this after this game. I actually thought Sheldon Keefe had a good post game. I, I, this is a weird thing to say, but yeah, I do. He said, quote, I'm hoping it allows him to relax. To me, that's the biggest takeaway from the game. That's it. That's all I need to say. The biggest takeaway from the game, the biggest one for the head coach had to do with a player settling in. So I, I think that Keefe saw what a lot of us saw, which was that Max Domi was having a bit of a tough go to start here. Probably a lot to do with the market pressure, the fact that he grew up here, all of those different things. The fact that it was an awkward fit for him. Some of the, I shouldn't say playing with Tavares and Nylander should be all that awkward, but it is when that line wasn't very good defensively and there was a ton of pressure on him to score and he wasn't doing it. So at least those guys had a bit of a breakout. I'm letting it run a little bit. I'm letting it ride a little bit. It just, again, it's, it's weird to see all three of the big guns up on the top line. Anyway, I also like that, again, Keefe, good post game. like that he said Wool was already scheduled to play in the Washington game. Takes a little bit of the drama out of this because Samsonov gets the early hook. That's his former team. That's a team that last year he said he was nervous to play against, which was kind of weird, but I don't mind it. I like when guys are honest. And now it's going to be Wool. I don't think there's a goalie controversy or anything like that. I think these guys are going to essentially split the net. But, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a curious one that it's not going to be Samsonov getting to face his former team. Anyways, uh, 10 years in the NHL, the Quick Shift podcast with Kevin Connolly and actor Sean Avery. What's up, brother? Man, you guys just break down everything. Yeah, that's right. I do. Not everybody. It's, oh. It's, oh, no. Only no. the good ones. Yeah, the good ones. The ones with insightful eyes. What's the what's the whole thing? It's amazing when we're when we're so pleasantly surprised when a coach is actually honest about something. I know it's nice. Well, to his defense, whenever Sheldon Keefe is honest, like last year early on in the year, I can't remember the word he used. It was like lifeless or something. He said the Leafs had a lifeless performance, and then it was just yeah. oh, he got hammered by everyone, and uh, uh, he had like apologized to his players. And yeah, I think this is. Oh, something. you're not allowed to say that anymore. You're not allowed to Bloody. hold a team accountable in Toronto I anymore. I don't think you're allowed to hold a team accountable basically anywhere anymore. Anywhere. <laughs> yeah, that's. Yeah. What, are you, what are you talking about? This is yeah. the, this is sports now. Is everything is too mean to the players? You yeah. probably would have liked. Well, would I'll you have liked you. this this coverage? Would you have liked this where it's like, hey, Sean, do say whatever you want. It's not your fault. It's everybody else's fault. It's the fans' fault. Actually, they care too much. Well. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that would have been nice. Mm -hmm. I would have loved to have taken the heat off me somehow, <laughs> or had, you know. But you like the heat. But um, you guys, you Leaf fans, uh -huh. uh, you're talking about. You're, it's so funny. It's amazing because yeah. we're going to be in the same spot we were last year. You're, you're talking about your goalies. Mm -hmm. Who are your goalies? 
Samsonov and Joe Wool. Who's Joe Wool? Yeah. Well, I thought that you watched your beloved Tampa Bay Lightning get buried by him on Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, I, I watched Tampa get beaten overtime because yeah. they have a rookie goalie. Yeah. And, you know, they're like going to weather the storm. He saves. The, who? Your guy or ours? Yours. Your guy. Johansson. Yeah, I mean, oh, okay, do you think the Leafs dominated that game? Uh, they had 80 shot attempts. <laughs> That's incredible. I mean, they shot did. attempts? Yeah, they, and 50 on net. We're, well, we're, it's a, one of the two. It's like they had 50 on net, and they put 80 around the net. Okay, all right. Pretty good. Well, that's good. Yeah. No, it was, yeah, yeah, not bad. You guys, you guys beat a rookie goaltender 5-4 in overtime. It's really good. And Tampa all lost right. to a rookie goalie in overtime. Is your guy a rookie goalie? Yes, technically. He did play some okay, playoff games last point. year. Yeah, what's the point? Okay, here, here's the point. is where we, When we come around full circle and we talk mm. to you again in April, yeah. my team's going to have Vasilevsky back in net, and your team's going to have a ragged-out, hurt, bum Samson off. <laughs> yeah. Or, or <laughs> you're going to have this flash-in-the-pan yeah. kid. What's his name? Wool. Waller? Wool. Wool? Yeah, Wool. Wool? Yeah. Hey, I hope the kid makes me eat my words. I don't think he do. <laughs> but you guys are going to have your flags out, your cars, and 100%. Leaf Nation. You're going to be going. You don't have a goalie. Maybe. Here's the thing, though. Remember last year in the playoffs when Vasilevsky was in the net? And what happened? Yeah. Yeah. He was wow. there. That wasn't the rookie goalie that was there last year, and the Leafs did chase them in the playoffs. And do you think this Tampa team is better this year? Because I, I honestly do. I, I wanted to talk to you about this today because you are – I actually – like I really love following you on Instagram, especially during the playoffs because you do a good job of breaking down the game. And I love it when guys who played and guys, you know, point things out that the average fan loses because hockey's a fast game, right? Like it's just – it's easy to miss stuff. Yeah. And so even for somebody that thinks that they're a real keen observer, that they, they miss stuff. Like they, they just – they're not – they haven't watched hours and hours and hours of tape and dedicated their life to playing the game. And so – You've done a really good job of breaking down this Tampa team year over year over year. And, like, you love Braden Point, and, yeah, you like when Kucherov's on. But this Tampa team, like, they're not going to have Vasilevsky for two months. And they keep losing guy after guy after guy to the cap. And now, like, I'm watching that game. And the bigger thing to me wasn't the goaltending. It's like, who are some of these guys? There's so many players on Tampa now that I don't really recognize. And I wonder if you think, like, their Uh, window is actually closed. Oh, I love that question. I love that question because you know what? I would love the Leafs to have a a, a few guys where you're like, who are these guys right now? Because John Cooper, those who are you guys, those guys that they, they, they brought up through their farm system because they've drafted well because Stevie Y loaded them up with picks and made sure that that's how they were going to build. Those who are those guys hopefully are a new grind line or Hopefully, you know, this young kid that's playing with Point and Kucherov, mm-hmm. who knows how good this kid is, right? But it's not, it's not, uh, who, who's the kid the Leafs gave a chance to all those years? Your uh, first round pick uh, played in Peterborough. Robertson? I think, maybe. Yeah. Nick Robertson. Robertson. Yeah. Like, is he still around? He's on the Marlies and he, I think, scored two goals the other night. So he's, he's around. He's doing his thing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. My, I guess my point is, is I have way more trust 
in John Cooper mm-hmm. turning who are these guys into players that by the time, you know, this is what Leaf fans don't realize also is like September, October, November, December, they don't really matter. If you crank it up and you make the playoffs, that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. If you have a strong finish and you go in with momentum. So I think the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to be dynamite. I think they're going to be on fire. And I think a, a rested Vasilevsky comes back. And if he plays enough games, wins the Vesna. Mm. Yeah, I don't and think just, he'll play enough. Goes I think he's going to miss two months. That's not, so that, that means, well, what if he plays every game down the stretch? I mean, he wants to, by all accounts. <laughs> like, McElhaney used to come on the show a lot before he started working with the Leafs. He used to back him up. And he said it was really hard to get games behind him because he just he wanted the net every single right. night. Right. But but no, listen. I, I'm anytime Cooch Cooch is on fire right now. Mm-hmm. He might not even really be on fire. That guy's got two, three more gears he can turn it into. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm not. I'm not that team. I don't have a problem with. I'm watching the games. I know that they're losing. They're not winning every game, but they still play the same way. The DNA of their game. They chip pucks in unless your name is Kucherov or Point or Stamkos. And even Stammer's not really. Stammer doesn't take liberties. He chips pucks and he goes hard. You know, Mitch, you got Mitch. Mitch is playing well. He's sticky on pucks. He played a, uh, He made a nice play on a takeaway the other night. Tavares, well, you guys all have to be happy with Johnny Boy right now, right? Out of the gate strong. You wait till you see him in quicksand. By January, mm-hmm. Johnny T will be in quicksand by January. Yeah. You guys all know that. I mean, you know that point he'll of game be player. He's going to be a point of game player. That's exactly yeah. who he's going to be. He's he'll also be on the guy butter that, blades. Yeah, he looked pretty good when he scored the eliminating goal against Tampa. I will say, like when he put the puck in the net, no. and then it was like handshake time. That looked pretty good. I would say. I I know I know, but yeah. I, here's the problem: at eleven sheets, yeah. I'll take Kucherov for point yeah. over your Johnny T any day of the week. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But the Leafs also it's any like, day of the week. They don't right? just have Tavares, right? They also have the guy where your last podcast title. Do you do you know, do you look at your podcast titles? No, I don't. But uh, it's probably I, something about. <laughs> I didn't it? think you did because you know what's so funny. I went and listened to it because I went, holy, uh, you know, I like to prep. Mm. You know, I, I like your pod too. In yeah, general, yeah. I think like, it's a fun, good podcast. I like the way that you guys rip on each other. It's just, it's a good one. But I look at your podcast yeah, title and I you. went, hey man, wow, Sean Avery, number one Leafs hater. Because you are also a guy who likes to zag, right? You're unpredictable in this way. Like you used to not be on Mitch Marner. Now you're like, you guys have Mitch. I go, all right. So you're a guy who likes to zag. And I saw the podcast title, which was all caps, Austin Matthews is elite. <laughs> that was your podcast title. So, so I look at the pod and I go, damn. Avery's turning. He, the, the Leafs elim- eliminated the Lightning last year. They got off to a start where Matthew scored back-to-back hat-tricks, and I think he's getting out ahead of this. He's getting out ahead of it, and he's going with the whole, like, this team is matured, this team is taking a step. I loved, when I listened to the podcast, that, first of all, the Austin Matthews conversation was two seconds long, and you shot it down immediately. <laughs> you didn't even give a crap. You were just like, yeah, yeah, it's two hat-tricks, whatever. I don't even care about it. You dismissed it immediately, well, I- and yet that was still the podcast. So I just want to say I'm glad that you're still a full-blown Leafs because I think that you're the pound for pound champ right now. Like you're the number one doubter, which is a good position to be because like this team has one playoff win in 19 seasons. So it's not like you're. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
you, you, you guys are on victory trail already. Yeah, and and by the way, yeah. I just want to remind everyone, uh, I was born in North York General in 1980. Yeah. Uh, I was a Leaf fan mm-hmm. for a long time, okay? I watched every single game growing up as a kid on Global. I watched that team. That was my team. Mm-hmm. That was my team. And they could be my team overnight. Mm. But one of my closest friends, not only in hockey, in the entire world, seems to think that Sheldon Keefe is a, is a coach that can take you guys to the promised land. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I have certain friends that I don't talk about politics with mm-hmm. because they're lunatics. I, you know, me and Shani, we don't really talk about the Leafs as much as I would like. Because mm-hmm. what are we going to talk about? He signed Ryan Reeves. Mm-hmm. Well, he didn't sign Ryan Reeves, but somebody signed Ryan Reeves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> tell, tell me about Ryan Reeves. How happy are you guys with Ryan Reeves right now? You love him? Yeah. <laughs> You're, you love that team. Yeah. I like the team. Here's what I will say. The, the Leafs have a bunch of pieces that haven't really worked out of the gate. But it's early yeah. enough where you go, okay, you got to give them time. And also, this is just a byproduct of the league, which stinks right now because you've had flat cap year over year over year. And so, and you felt this in Tampa watching, like, you think Kalorn wants to go play on the Ducks? No, it's the only place he can go get money because the cap is flat. And Tampa just got pinched and they threw up a graphic up here before the game. There's only seven guys that are on that Tampa team that won the cup with them last time. Like, the cap is killing teams. And so if you have any kind of stars on the team, like the Leafs do, like Tampa does, then you're going to lose all your depth year over year, and you're going to have to kind of pump in either draft picks, hopefully they work out for you, or you have to use the guys that are willing to take, like, prove-it deals to go to either contenders or maybe shorten up their contract length, like the Leafs did this offseason with Klingberg and Bertuzzi, Domi, Lisko. Well, Reeves actually got three years, which is nuts. Um, I would say that the, the Reeves one is the toughest because... He's playing like five minutes a night. He's older than me. He just, he can't move. And yeah, like, I, I don't know he, if, if he fights, that's great. That's fun. What I will say though, and, and like, you know, this is an interesting, persp- like you're getting your perspective on this. Like I, some of the quotes to me are a little bit cringy at times. Like I was talking about him and Corey Perry the other day. I was like, man, Corey Perry's got a gold medal in the juniors gold famer. medal. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's got Hall a heart. Like famer. he's got all these things. Who cares if yeah. he's not fighting you? And by the way, this is the th- I looked this up. Corey Perry actually fought more times than Ryan Reeves did last year. He had more fights last year <laughs> than Ryan Reeves did. And so I was like, it's kind of tough to say. And yeah, do they fight the same weight class? No, but Corey Perry shouldn't be fighting the same weight class like as, as Ryan Reeves. That's, yeah. that's what I mean. I, I don't care about that stuff. But what I will say is that here where we're supposed to be talking about the team and the pressure on the team, what are you and I talking about right now? We're talking about Ryan Reeves. And I think that this is part of the signing is like, you get some of the heat off your top dudes. They've tried to do this every single year, whether it's Joe Thornton who comes in with big personality and wants to take a little bit of heat off these guys. Now it's Ryan Reeves. It was Wayne Simmons before them. Like, I don't mind them having a bit of a quote machine who ultimately is not going to be really relevant to their playoff success with what he does on the ice. But like, what do you think about his value off of it just in terms of that quote, that part of the quotient? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a complete sideshow that, you know, will be totally the rough patches come, right? Mm-hmm. And as soon as those rough patches come, uh, Reeves is either going to get exposed or he's going to become sort of a whipping boy that just, and once you become a whipping boy in Toronto, it's not good, right? It's almost, 
you, you possibly can't come back from it. I haven't seen many guys that were able to. Larry Murphy. Mm-hmm. Larry Murphy. He was. He got, he, got, he got out of there and he went to Detroit. But, like, it, the Reeves thing is, is a, just I don't like short-sighted signings. And the cap, I don't care about the cap because I got a bunch of dogs in the AHL. I got a bunch of dogs in junior that I drafted. But it's like, you know, I talk out of the side of my mouth because part of that is the Quebec Major League now, they don't even fight anymore, right? I watched a fight in Kitchener the other night, some some kid off the Rangers. These kids are going toe-to-toe. They're standing. It looks like 1988 center ice. Mm. So... Don't tell me that the game has changed when I say to somebody, like, where are your Sorellis? Go find your, your next, uh, like, find me Darren McCarty. Mm-hmm. Or give you the archetypes. There's still a lot of hell of a, great players in the junior system. But, but this kid out of Michigan you guys have is the first time that a kid has actually come to camp after – uh, uh, you know, a little bit of a run in the playoffs. They brought him in. This kid looks like the real deal. I saw his release the other night off that Domi pass, mm-hmm. took it off his foot. I mean, that he, he, he's a superstar. He could be a Matt Duchesne, maybe even better. I, I, I don't know. He's hungry. He's, but, he's, he's a hungry four checker, which I really like too, which is like a change of pace for with, this team with size. With, with some finish. Mm-hmm. I mean, the kid's got some nice mitts. So, you know, your back end, mm-hmm. who's that, who are your defensemen? I don't even know who your defensemen are. That's going to be a work in Riley? progress. Yeah, Riley's there. Riley's been great to start the year. He was great in the playoffs. I'm sure, again, you remember him from eliminating yeah. the Lightning yep. and being the best player. <laughs> yeah, you remember? Yeah. <laughs> He was there. He was pretty, he's like, you know, cause like, you know how you're in movies and they do like at the top of the IMDB page, like the stars, right? They put the, the guys with yeah. the most, it's like, he'd be yeah, at the yeah. top. Like if they were doing this, it'd be like, right. Hey, he, uh, he'd be like in Oppenheimer. Okay. He'd be Killian Murphy. He'd be right at the top of the IMDB page from the elimination of the lightning oh. round one Leafs top billing Morgan Riley. So he's played well. Oh. Brody's played oh. well. Klingberg's look good on the power play. Um, but he is what he is. And then, yeah, they're probably oh. asking too much Great. of Giordano. Oh, asking too much. I mean, yeah, it's like watching them parade Joe Biden out every day. No, buddy, these are sort of. Come on, don't be rude. Don't don't be rude. Don't be rude to Geo. First of all, he's forty years old, shop block leader. Do you see the one that he that he took on the power play on Saturday night? No, I didn't. Okay, I didn't. yeah, he took I, an absolute. Bull. The guy's a warrior. I can't compare it to Joe Biden. Joe Biden falls by riding hey. a bicycle. I will refuse to. This this is not. That's not fair. <laughs> It's a hell of a career. Yeah. Nothing to take. Up. Like, <laughs> that guy plays hard. Mm-hmm. I'm just talking about what do we have, and do we have a bunch of killers on the back end? Uh, you know, do I have our, our, our Ranko Gudis? Is that his name? Yeah, Radko. Radko? Like, I'm not saying him, but go find me that archetype in the American Hockey League and let this kid play 60 games and make some mistakes and have some – but get coached so he's ready to go. But Toronto, that's the problem, is they don't, they're not temperamental to that type of atmosphere, and there's never been anyone that's good at protecting these kids. Mm. And what was the last Leaf, a young Leaf? Caberlet, who actually made it? 
What do you mean? What was the, the, the last a, – a young Toronto Maple Leaf defenseman that came oh, defenseman. in when he was young. Morgan Riley. And – well, how long has he been on the team? I think this is year nine for Riley. Okay. Yeah. All right. They're trying to do anyone a else agreement. after because we're talking about twenty yeah. years. We're yeah, talking yeah. about a twenty years. Yeah. So we just named two two defensemen. Is there anyone else that no, we can they, think of? Well, they they're trying Timothy Lilligren right now. That's their other guy that they're hoping develops into a top six dude. And he's got like flashes. He's one of those guys where when he looks great, he looks great, and then he has these moments which it's like or he'll, he'll have bad turnovers. Manhandled. And yeah, he'll he's been manhandled a few times. So it looks like he's put on a bit of size. I would say this. He's been solid to start the year. Like, he has not been a real problem. He had one really bad turnover in the first game of the season, and since then it's been pretty much, like, he's one of the, like, this is with a lot of defensemen, is if you're not talking about them, they're doing their job well, right? And that's kind of where he's at. So, yeah, they've done, they've done it okay. a little bit. It's not been, like, yeah, they're not absolutely murdering it on the blue line. There's a reason why they've got, uh, I think out of their defensemen right now, they've got four guys who are UFAs after this year. Yeah, I think that's right. I think it's four. It's just, yeah, it's, it's been patchwork. That's what happens, again, with a flat cap. That's what happens when you move a lot of draft picks out and a lot of prospect capital out when you're trying to win around this core. And, like, yeah, you can debate those moves for what they were, but, yeah, that's kind of what this team is right now. Hold on. I want to go to the Shanahan thing, though, because you, I, I know you guys are super tight, which I've always thought was really interesting because, obviously, he made, like, a really big impact on you when you were in Detroit. But, like, you weren't there too long. So I, I am, like, how did that friendship become what it is today? Well, we played together for the Rangers. Right. So both, and, both uh, stops. Both stops, yeah. Um, but no, I mean, you know, listen, this is one of the premier, uh, in my opinion, Shani knows. He, he knows. He understands. Uh, there's not many players that we, that we differ opinion on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some of the things as far as, when he tells me there's not that many Sean Avery's in the American Hockey League, when I say, go find yourself one, where is your next Darcy Tucker? Mm. And, you know, they don't make them that way. Well, they got to be somewhere. And it maybe doesn't look like a diamond to the rest of your scouts right now, but figure it out. And that's what I get. I, you know, I get the internal org chart. Like, I want to know that the guys out on the road that are finding our future are guys that were in the trenches that understand and see through all the, the BS. Mm. Cause there's a lot of BS out there, but find me players. That should be the number one focus of that entire organization. Uh, you know, and, and they haven't found any players. That's a problem. That's a problem. So when I talk to Shani, it's like, you know, I, there's only certain things that, uh, that, that I know that, you know, I'm going to get something out of him. Because, by the way, he's a seasoned pro now. I mean, you, 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 the, you, the reason you don't see Brendan Shanahan on the, on the cutaways uh, during the broadcast is because you'll never see him. You'll never see him. Maybe occasionally, maybe a few times this year. Who are the other GMs that do that? You won't see Stevie Y very often. You never saw Glenn Sather. You saw at the bottom of his shoes sometimes because of the angle you were on. You could see he had his shoes up on the uh, like the counter mm. in the suite. 
That's how. That's what I want. That's what I want. You know, it's you know? interesting you bring but, that up, though, because, like, they did – it gives a little bit of perspective on the Leafs this year in the draft. They took a kid that a lot of people thought they reached on from a talent standpoint, a, a guy from London named Easton Cowan, and he's, like, 5'11". Yeah, the first-rounder, right? Yeah, he's 5'11", yeah. but what are the attributes he's described at? Dog. He's a dog, and he skates hard, and he's already got a fight. Like, we watched him fight the other day, which was great. And I, I do wonder if that influence, his influence is coming in a little bit more with that pick. Because that, that has been one of the knocks on the Leafs. And, and that's why I would say you got to give this a little time if you're going to try to see the, like, what they called, they said it's putting more snot in the room this offseason when they added Domi and when they added Bertuzzi and Reeves, right? Because, like, there was clearly an emphasis for this team to get, yeah, more guys that are harder to play against, guys that bring whatever, the, the, the effort level more consistently. And I think one of the mistakes of the Dubas era was that they went with just like skill or skating pretty much all the time. And then you'd see this bottom six that was full of guys that, yeah, didn't have a lot of dogs, right? Like Pierre Engvall, where you would look at him and say, hey, all right, shot share is okay. And he skates fast, but every time somebody gets in his face, he looks terrified, and then he would just completely no-show every season of playoffs because, yeah, it's harder to play those minutes, right? I, I do think that, yeah, yeah. maybe this is going to be the, the way that the Leafs are constructed a bit more moving forward with Tree Living and with Shanahan. Like, how on the same page do you think those guys are when it comes to that? What's your read there? Oh, I think they're, yeah, no, I think that was a, I think that was a very personal pick for Shani. I, I, I think, uh, uh, I'll tell you, you know, I know he's got a a ton of respect for Shane Doan. Mm-hmm. And what I think is interesting, this is just my personal analog from uh, from the whole situation. I'm not sure Spezza had that uh, for Shani. And well, he you know, left the second. When you take Spezza, do his left. Right, right. But but if you take like a a Shanahan. Okay, we take Shanahan at the top. If we got a Doan Spezza, mm-hmm. uh, both of them neither won, any, won a Stanley Cup. But Shane Doan knows how good of a player Brendan Shanahan was. He saw, and, and Spezza should have. So when you ask me about the new GM, I immediately go, yeah, I like it. But what I like even more is Shani brings in a dog like Shane Doan who's not an arrogant jerk who thinks he's, you know, God, especially now that he's in, in, in Toronto and Canada and in the Mecca and out of Phoenix and he's alive again. Shane Doan's just going to focus on making that team better. And I trust his, I trust his judgment more than any, anyone's judgment in the past 10 years in that organization, mm. including all the GMs. Right. So, you know, is this a successor type thing where, where if we're thinking long-term, like Brad's going to do a great job. You guys are going to win a Stanley cup. You guys are all going to, you're going to die because you're going to be so excited because you've been waiting so goddamn long and tortured for the last 40 years. And you'll be up here being like, I told you all along, this is the type of team they needed to build. I'm from North York. You're going to do it. I can already see it all happening. Shani, I told him all of our private conversations. He nailed it. He did it. I I can see it already. And I, I don't fault you for it. You got to play the game. And I think that's the right way to play it. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, Listen, lots of questions to be answered, mm-hmm. okay? 
I love you. You're a, you're a Leafs apologist in sort of a negative way, I no get, matter what. Yeah. Okay. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's, I like the angle. I get, yeah, um, exactly. But, it's a good angle, but you guys are going to be, you guys are going to be, uh, tits on a bull in April. Oh, see, you <laughs> zagged. You went, I, I thought you were coming around. I thought I had you. I thought I hooked you in. No. I thought I hooked you in with the Bertuzzi <laughs> thing and the Domi thing. And then like, Oh, yeah. and by the way, yeah, I will say, let me just say this one last thing. And I yeah. want people to hear this. Yeah. That Bertuzzi kid, man. I love that kid. See, there you go. Sounds First like of all, he thing. doesn't use tape. On, yeah. He doesn't use tape on his stick, on the top of his stick, which is the craziest thing. People don't understand. If you didn't play hockey, it's so nuts. Mm-hmm. And also, let's just remember that kid was a that kid was a leper mm-hmm. three years ago. That kid has a backbone. I would go to war mm-hmm. with Bertuzzi any day of the week, and he's the only guy, one of the only guys in the NHL that had any courage to do anything monumental over the last four years of the hell that everybody's been living in. That kid is unbelievable. So I'm a, you know what? And I maybe I just realized that I need to give the team more credit. Just Thank you. See, because I of knew that I'd get you there. Hooked. You're hooked. You're on the Leafs. <laughs> well, listen, yeah. it's it's listen. This is between you and me. It's time to sell your Tampa stock, all right? You got cups. Yeah, you no. had a good run, but the Leafs have put them in their pocket now. They eliminated You said it. You said it. If the team that is, is as soft and tits on a bull, all the different th- the ways that you want to describe the Leafs, that they can eliminate the lightning, right? Like, doesn't get any lower than that. That's as low as it goes. You know, so time to sell the, the lightning only... and buy the Leafs with the new snot, with the new team. I want to start seeing Instagram video breakdowns of Mitch, a little bit more Marner, some more Bertuzzi, some more Domi. Like, I think this is happening here, man. I think your roots, your roots are showing. I, you want back in. We're letting you back in. You, come you know, on. You know, come home. You know come the home, o- Sean. You know the only NHL coach this summer or the last like, couple of months uh, that sent me a text message after they saw me in Oppenheimer, and then yeah. uh, they're watching yeah, this congrats on that, show line really cool. that I'm in. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, I appreciate that. Thanks, John Cooper, the only oh, so NHL this is coach. It. He's the only one who texted you about your movies, and you so you're like, I'll never leave them. What if I no, get John Keith to text you about the movies? What's the new show called? Because you're in a new show that's coming up, right? right? Uh, it's already out. It's called okay. Lioness. Okay. It's on Paramount. It's so there fun. you go. It's, it's if, it's, if it's out. So but, Sheldon Keefe watches it. Will you come but, home? But, you know, Sheldon Keefe has a lot to apologize to me about, <laughs> first of all, because I dealt with him and his lunatic crew oh. since 1988. Okay? Hmm. You don't realize. Everyone oh, do. doesn't understand. I, I know the Keefe from back in the day. I know the junior Barry Colts Keefe. I know that unhinged, insane person with his posse. Now things change. No question, things change a lot. But that's my, that's my, what what I remember from him. I haven't spoken to him since the last time I probably told him some terrible things in mm-hmm. Tampa or wherever he was playing. Mm. But also, you know, Keith was a flash in the pan. He couldn't play in the NHL. He was not an NHL player. That that's fact. If he played 120 games, I don't care. He was not an NHL player. He didn't have it. Hey. And, you know, when it comes to my coaches, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's the other thing. I'd like to have guys that get it. And maybe Rick Tockett will be a prime example out in Vancouver. Maybe he won't. Mm-hmm. 
You know, he's already said some but, bad words but, about that his team. Like he's already very harsh to them. And I went, oh boy, you only get so many of those. Like you only get so many of those before people start to turn on you and say that you're too mean, right? Like this is what I'm saying. Right. Uh, it's you only right, get so many bullets. Do you? No, I don't think you should. Do you? I, no, like I don't the, think you should. It's millionaires and it's grown right. adults, and you should be able to be held accountable. Yeah. And if this guy, like, this is actually one of my biggest problems with modern day sports is that, like, there's no real pecking order with a coach. Like, they have this fake authority. And if you're a star or you're a young guy on a big ticket, it's like, who cares? If you check out on the coach, it's so much easier to do than in the past. Um, I know you got to go, though, but I did want to get your thoughts on Sportsnet 590, the fan. Seen a lot of people tweeting at me, like, hey, the censored, censored, not allowed to talk about certain things. It's not true. You're allowed to have your right to an opinion. So this has nothing to do with why Sean was cut off. Yeah, you can't cuss on the radio. Yeah, no. Our guys are in, de- we're in delay with all of our guests. And we were fine having that conversation. It's just that Sean started to swear too much, started dropping F-bombs. We got to let you go. It's radio. It's not, we're on Sportsnet here. This isn't. A uh, place where you can just say whatever you want or use the kind of language you want. So you can spin your conspiracy about, hey, it's about censorship. I think it's a conversation that both of us have differentiating opinions on, but that is absolutely not why Sean was let go. Sean was let go because he started to drop consecutive F bombs and we can't have that on the air. So. I, I mean, you could say woke, you could say this, you could say that, you could get bad, like some of you in the comments. You're wrong. Flat out. Anyways, uh, I, I'm going to save UFC for later in the show because I want to have more time with it. I want to be able to talk to you guys about it. But I, I'm telling you, I was, yeah, I was, I was pretty damn disappointed. It was a pretty disappointing UFC card. And they can say that it's good for Makachev. I don't. I really don't know the way they're going to spin this. Good for Hamzat, but it, everything that's come out about this card and everything that transpired in the three main fights, which is what everyone was waiting for, I think gave the UFC a pretty big L. Uh, it was a tough one, especially a midday one where they weren't going up against too much. I think a lot of people maybe tuned in. Didn't really work out. But here. I'm going to give a little shout out to playoff baseball, which has been incredible, which has truly been the delight in my life right now. We had a weekend with Dolis Garcia stomping on home plate, getting ejected from games. Friday was insane. Friday was nuts. <laughs> Comeback was absolutely insane. Jose Altuve, just massive rips. Jose Altuve, by the way, having himself a playoffs right now, like getting rid of the discussion about him wearing a wire, him with uh, the Chapman stuff. But you now have this game seven that's coming up and this Phillies game tonight. So you get a Phillies game tonight where they can punch their ticket to a World Series and then a game seven that basically allows us to have conversations like where do we put the Astros amongst the pantheon of great modern day baseball teams. Because if you punch your ticket to three straight world series and five in the last seven, I think that you basically become baseball's it's tough because the Yankees run from like 96 to 2009 was so dominant. And I know mega Yankees fan, Simon Douglas, who is now off them because they don't win anymore. It's no, like, that's yeah, not that's, why. Yeah, that's 100% why. You, they, they were dominant when you had it in your youth and now you're completely off of it. I did love it as a kid. Yeah. Love but it. it's, it's hard for me to envision in the new world of baseball, which I know it doesn't have a salary cap, blah, 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 blah. 
It's hard for me to see a baseball team that ends up doing this with the new playoff format where you've got more teams in the mix here. It's easier to make the playoffs, but going deep and making it to World Series, I think is going to be tougher and tougher and tougher. It might be a while since we see uh, another team quite like the Astros. And so I'm kind of appreciating it, and I'm really, really, really hoping we get back-to-back World Series. And it has nothing to do with the fact that I bought the Astros to win the series when they were down (laughs) 2-0. Nothing to do with that. Anyways, quick break. Let's come back. Let's do Brady Quinn. Got a lot of messages about my Lions this weekend. (laughs) It's a tough beat for them. It's a very, very humbling moment for an organization that's just trying to take a step, all right? Just trying to take a step in the right direction. And Lamar Jackson just steamrolled them. That was, it, you know, it's funny because there were all these tight games on Sunday, but there were so many that who cares, right? Like other than gambling purposes, other than gambling purposes, did most of you really care about a lot of these tight finishes, right? The game we were all waiting for was Lions Ravens. I was so excited for Lions Ravens. And Lamar just ruined it for us all. Oh. So I'm not even celebrating it because it's just it took away from my Sunday. Instead, I, yeah. Your brother's a big Ravens fan? Yeah, I got And yeah. so I was about to say a lot of texts from, uh, yeah, from your bro, I'm assuming. A lot of texts. <laughs> Lamar the goat. Lamar yeah, there the we go. It's just the same text over and over and over again. I will say when Lamar is like, when he's on, on, it's yeah. something to watch. No, it was great. It was great. I'm not sad about my lines at all. It's fine. It's totally fine. <laughs> Anyways, Brady Quinn. Our uh, Monday morning NFL analyst, former NFL QB. What's up, brother? Not much. I was, uh, man, I was right there with you. I uh, obviously do picks each week. and Oh, you went Lions? That was a, uh, a Ravens and Lions game. I did not think mm. it was going to turn around that way. It leads me to feel, even though I was impressed with the offensive passing attack coming together uh-huh. for, the, for the Ravens, I think the way we've been waiting all year, it might have told me a little more about where the Lions are at, where mm. they're just not quite there where we thought they'd got over the hump and then you see a performance like that where they just didn't show up i mean giving up four straight touchdown drives to start off the game mm-hmm. on the road and i know it's back-to-back weeks on the road for them but that was one of those performances that made you feel like the lions have to play a game a certain style of way in order to be able to get a win and that obviously doesn't bode well when you in my opinion are at least still behind the eagles behind the 49ers as far as the class of the NFC, if you want to go play for a Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, what was huge for me was uh, being reminded that Jared Goff, and and I know that this is kind of a simplistic way of looking at it because how many quarterbacks don't struggle under pressure, but that was always the Jared Goff thing, right? Which is, hey, you start to get a little pressure on this guy and he crumbles in a way that other guys don't. And that that lack of mobility that he has for the position is a difficult one to overcome. And And I just thought that the Ravens, all game long, or at least let's say all game as in the first half when this game was semi-relevant, right? Before it just completely was done, 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 even though it was probably over after what? The first three Baltimore drives. Yeah, exactly. It was just, it was done, man. It was just done. It was just like, yeah, this, that they're, this is the difference of having a a star QB that can make massive plays. Like you and I are both on the golf train. Like we really like golf. We liked what we were seeing from Laporta. We liked what we saw from Mont St. Brown, their running game, their offense, the way they were designing things up. But a big marker for me is like, what happens when things go wrong? And you just saw it from that team. And I went, oh yeah, that's why you can't trust them to win a bunch of games in the fall. Like, or sorry, in the winter. Like I just, I don't know. It, it shook me. It shook me a lot. I, I'm, I'm, I'm removing the lines from contender status just from that one game. I got to say, I have to. Yeah, I mean, I think they're a playoff team. Sure. I think the thing that bothered me the most about them was 
they just they weren't the more physical team, and they've been a team that I think has you know really embodied what their head coach is and Dan Campbell, mm-hmm. and wanted to try to beat you up a lot of scrimmage, right? That sort of toughness he always talks about, and they weren't. And then I kind of like second guess everything, look back to the schedule. I'm like, yeah, it's kind of beat up on the NFC South so far, right? Like five of their three of their five wins have come against NFC South teams, which we know where that division's at right now, and they haven't even played the Saints, which. I'm not sure how you handicap that, that division now, but before the season, we thought the Saints were by far and away the best team. Maybe that's not the case anymore. Um, but I think we look at the division as a whole and go, yeah, maybe that's just not very good in general. So um, I, I kind of look at it and think, yes, there's obvious concerns with golf versus pressure, mm-hmm. but more concerning how they just got pushed around defensively. Mm-hmm. And as much as they've made those big defensive improvements from a year ago, they've done that with some personnel, but you know, I think Aaron Glenn's done a good job for them as far as how he's, put them in a better position to succeed. I look at it and look, take your hat off to Baltimore again. Todd Munkin, the offense, Lamar, he was phenomenal. He was efficient. He was, I mean, when he took off and ran when he had to, but they got beat up physically. And that's like the one thing that if you look at their division, I think they're better than everyone on the NFC North. And if you look at the NFC, I would say they're getting right there behind San Francisco and Philly as far as being able to play that brand of football. But then when it comes stacking up to the AFC, I'm, I think they're probably behind a, a number of teams, mm-hmm. at least in that regard. Yeah. You know what, though, with the Ravens? So this one kind of blew me away because I was looking at Lamar game logs because he had the, the perfect passer rating in this game. He was dominant in this game. It just uh, You really saw the upside of that team, right, when they were flinging it to some of those receivers and Andrews was on and Flowers was making plays. That's the first game all year that he's thrown over 250. Yeah. First one. It, it, it's crazy. And it's crazy to think that, right? And obviously some of that was what the, a bunch of drops uh, versus was it Pittsburgh, I think, earlier Yeah, for this sure. Year. But that's it. They've uh, been trailing in games. They've had some drops. But I still, 250 is like, yeah, this is the modern NFL. I know offenses are down this year, but I was pretty blown away by that. For, for a team where you're supposed to basically become a, you're becoming a passing offense. Which Lou Brady? Yeah, I think we just got disconnected from Brady. Uh, phone drop. Yeah, I I gotta say, I hate saying this because, you know, like I said with my brother, but yeah, to me, that was this is a reminder of it's gonna take a little while for that offense to get going. It's gonna take a little while for them to kind of change exactly who they are, and maybe just maybe this thing works. All I'll say is that one, it, you, you have to put the Ravens in the contender status. The big thing for me is, can you do this week over week now? Cause we've seen weeks where Lamar looks amazing. And we've also seen weeks where, yeah, they can kind of get a little bit rocky. So yeah, sorry, Brady, uh, you, you got dropped off there, but yeah. Wh- what do you think about just what you saw from Lamar this weekend? How much of this is just like, yeah, what you said, uh, kind of a throwaway game for the lions versus an offense that's taking a step and starting to find their rhythm. Yeah, I, I, there's no doubt. I, I think it's partially that, too. Like, and, and that's probably what we're seeing with a number of, of teams and offenses. We, we've seen, and I heard you mention before I got dropped, obviously the lack of offensive production. Like, no one plays the preseason anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you get all these new pieces on your team, draft picks, uh, you know, free agency additions or trades, um, and yet you don't really see that sort of, you know, chemistry built over the course of an offseason anymore. So it almost takes you about five weeks, six weeks, to figure out what your identity is, what guys' roles are, what they excel at. And I think they're, Baltimore's starting to see it. I mean, I've said it since day one. Zay Flowers reminded me of a lot of Antonio Brown. I think he's going to be and should be the leading receiver and pass catcher, and they can move on from what this offense has been with Mark Andrews kind of leading the way at the tight end spot. We can, you can get more explosive, and then you add in OBJ, and you add in you know, Aguilar and some of the other pieces that they got. And Bateman, obviously, who stepped up too in this game. Like, 
they've got enough weapons to really threaten teams. And I think it's a different brand of football that they can evolve into where they could beat you with the big play downfield. When nothing's there, the most dangerous thing might be the fact that Lamar could just take off and run, which you saw him do from time to time. So uh, I, I love where this team is going. I think this change was something that, you know, John Harbaugh did it, and it, it may have seemed risky at, at some point in time. And we may have said, like, I don't know how this thing's coming together so far. But I think now I look at them as a team that, like, if you're looking at the AFC the way the Bills looked yesterday, mm-hmm. maybe Baltimore's the, the best challenge or contender to the Chiefs. You look like they're by far away, at least right now, the best team in the AFC. Man, well, if you look at what they did, it's like these design blitzes that were beautiful all game long that just had a ton of effect on golf. And yeah, it's different when you're facing Mahomes, but being able to actually get to him versus what we saw from the chargers yesterday, I think is going to have a pretty good difference or, or make a pretty big difference that you don't just allow Mahomes to walk around back there, take his time and then find somebody downfield. Cause you know, if, if he's able to escape and he finds that extra time, it's like, yeah, it's somehow there's always just someone that he ends up like finding open. But yeah, the other part is, can you hang offensively and you, can you tire out, that Chiefs defense that looks a little bit better than maybe some people thought this year. And yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Like after that week, I don't know how you don't come away with that going. Yeah. The Ravens at their best, that, that might be the best team in the AFC. Okay. So over the bills though, because uh, let's just start with this. What, what's wrong with them? Because they stunk and started slow against the Jaguars. They barely escaped and stunk to start again against the New York giants and then this game, like Mac Jones just picked you apart. Your offense, once again, didn't get going until the second half. What, what are you seeing with this Bills team right now? Yeah, I, th- I think the first thing I'd start off by saying is like their defense has been decimated, and I wasn't sure when it would come into play and expose itself. I surely didn't think it'd be Mac Jones and the Patriots. But look, a, a divisional game at home, Bill Belichick gets a 300th win. I mean, you kind of know like th- these, these things happen every week in the NFL. Like this was one of those weeks that I think – the public got caught off guard, at least from a betting standpoint. Uh, it was a landslide toward the, toward the, towards the sharp betters. But in this particular case, it just you're kind of reminded that they've had a rash of injuries and they can't match up the way they used to. And even a team like the New England Patriots, whose offense has been anemic, they can find a way of, of a drive at the end of the game going and scoring to, to win. And, and I think the bigger issue, because that's not something that you can change right now. They've got to deal with what they've got. Well, with the, with the injuries on defense, to me, it's more offensively. They just constantly have to have Josh Allen be the hero and be Superman. Like, to me, they never get enough out of their running game. They never get enough balance out of that from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. And if anything's off, teams take away digs like they kind of did for the most part. I mean, you end up having a touchdown, and I think about 60 yards or whatever it was. But it's like they, they just don't have enough firepower outside of when Diggs has one of those big games. Now, as far as a compliment to him, I mean, Kincaid, who they drafted, I think they thought him and Knox could maybe stretch the field a little bit more vertically. I, I mean, he had a big, a bigger day yesterday, but it's, it, to me, it's just not enough. They they need to have a ground attack. They need to have more of a consistent running game. And I feel like their offense is a little bit more finesse, um, at least compared to what, you know, other teams that we see, we're just talking about the Baltimore Ravens, for example, and at least the way they, they looked yesterday. Yeah. Uh... So I'm always torn on this, right? Because I, I look at the bills and say, why, why isn't it enough to have a superstar receiver, right? Like uh, Mahomes has Kelsey and then you can put a bunch around him and he, he finds a way to make it work. And I know he didn't all season long, but yeah, 28 yesterday. And I know it's the chargers, whatever, but historically, like he's also been able to do that. And we try to put Allen in that same conversation at times, at least like at the top tier of quarterbacks. And I think he can be, and man, you know, even the play he made against the giants last week to win it, 
I'm like, he's one of only a couple of guys that can make that play. That's why you have to believe in the Bills, and that's why, you know, maybe you take some of the criticism off. But I'm with you. It just feels like when he and Diggs are going, they're phenomenal. But when do you feel the best about the Bills? It's when Gabe Davis is going. When it's like you get the two Gabe Davis touchdowns, and when he catches a, a big deep ball down the sideline, and you say, oh, right, there's somebody else. And it just feels like these last few weeks, no one else is involved. When we were feeling good about the Bills, what was it? James Cook was rushing for a bunch of yards. Now it's just all of a sudden he di- he's completely disappeared from this offense. And yeah, the tight ends thing hasn't really been working out. They play with two tight ends just more than just about any other team in the NFL. And it just doesn't seem to be working for their offense. And I got to say, like this one, it's not just this one. It's these last three weeks that have got me feeling a little iffy about the Bills and, and who they are and what they can be. Not to mention all the injuries on defense, because I, I think you saw some of that stuff this week too. Yeah, I mean, I think the other thing is, like, the whole conversation of, you know, how they hit their ceiling. You know, like, and then how do you approach, depending on how the rest of this year goes, when you look at their losses so far this year, I mean, they've lost now to two divisional opponents. I think we both agree. Mm-hmm. Two of the lesser divisional opponents. Like, yeah, like, you stomped out Miami. That was a great win. But I'm not really sure how to value them or look at them moving forward through the rest of the season. And, you know, now you've got, a short week, which maybe that's a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. You get to host uh, Tampa Bay on Thursday night football. And sometimes after you have a disappointing loss like that, it, it's the best thing to get back out there and play and kind of sweep it away. But also it can kind of snowball effect. You know, if, if Tampa Bay who's kind of one of two games skidding out too, and have looked awful the past couple of weeks, if they all of a sudden find themselves too and take advantage of that banged up defense and you've got a Buffalo team loses three out of four, it, it's really looking like a, a kind of rough narrative moving forward as you move forward the schedule. Cause the Bengals look like they're back. That's who they play after that. Mm-hmm. You're at the Broncos got to win. I'm not sure how, how and their defense is playing better, but I'm still not really sure where they're at this point. But their schedule gets much more difficult as you work, you know, work through the rest of the way if they can't turn things around here quick. You know, the, the thing that I'm curious to see with them is, so they, they started their year, and the first thing that I heard about with the Bills in their training camp was that they had these banners it was like an eyes on the prize thing. It's like a picture with a visor and then the reflection of the visor is Lombardi. And I, I do wonder with them how, like what the mental effect is right now of the expectation, the discussion around the window and so much being on two guys in the offense and whether or not you, you think that there's going to be a, a tough psychological impact. Like I know we're in October right now, right? Like how much did things change from October last year? But if it's harder for a team like that that has all that internal pressure to get things done, like if these losses weigh a little bit more. No, I, I think it does to a degree as they work through it. I mean, obviously you'd like to try to get that number one overall seed, which it seems mm-hmm. they're going to have a, a tough time catching Kansas City. They're going to have a touch time, tough time t- catching Jacksonville. Jacksonville's now turned it on of late, and they've got a weak schedule the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. You know, really when you look at, I think, the AFC South and the fact that they sit there at 5-2, and two, two and one within their division. But as you go through the rest of it, like they've got a really good chance to potentially be the number one overall seed purely based on their schedule and the uh, division they play in. Uh, and they are playing much better football. So, mm-hmm. you know, are you able to go on the road and, and be able to put together consistently what you need at that time of year, especially when you talk about the running game, you know, since cooks, it's been inconsistent for them. If they can't rely on that and have more of a balanced attack and a team takes away digs, they're in a world of hurt. I mean, they're basically relying on then Josh Allen to run around and make plays and create, and, and that's all fun and games until he gets hurt. And, that, and that's only a matter of time. Even as big and as physical as he is, it's still only a matter of, a matter of time. Just ask Cam Newton how that impacted his career with his style of play. So it's, 
it kind of goes back to the initial plot I was bringing up is depending on how this year goes, like Buffalo's in a tough spot where they've got to ask themselves, like, are we in a rebuild mode? Like, you knock this all down and look at trying to rebuild the roster to make it a contender again? Do you just say, hey, we got bit by the injury bug, and if we're 100% healthy, we match up and we're able to, to, to beat New England? I mean, remember, this New England team was playing without its two best edge rushers. Mm-hmm. You know, too, it's not even like they were at full strength. So, I, I, again, I give Mac Jones for being clutched on the stretch in the moment and for the Patriots kind of turning some things around and Belichick getting his 300th win. But at the same time, this is still a game that, you know, this, I can't even remember the last time the Patriots were an eight, seven and a half point underdog mm-hmm. at home. Uh, it's, it's been a long time. So there's obviously a high expectation that the Bills should have won that game. And that was one on the schedule. I think if we're all being honest, we kind of expected them to win. I expected them to win. I, I thought that this was going to be, and Josh Allen, there's these teams too, where this was a weird weekend in terms of, there's, there's sometimes there's just matchups that work for you, right? And Josh Allen has owned the Patriots. This has just been a team that he's dominated the last couple of years. And it was the same thing with the Chargers and the Chiefs. And so maybe this is the way to transition this game is, I, that, this is the first time that the Chiefs have won by two scores against the Chargers in the Herbert era. Like, these two teams always play tight. And I'm watching this game, and the first half was like that. The, the Chiefs offense is rolling. They're, or sorry, the... Chargers offense is rolling. The Chiefs score a late touchdown, which is a little bit concerning. But, man, Brandon Staley is a defensive coach. And it was kind of no resistance for a lot of this football game. I, I know everybody focuses in on the, like, the fourth down decision-making of his. But this is now another year where the Chargers look very mediocre, very underwhelming. Justin Herbert clearly has not taken the step that we want to see. And the defense stinks like... What what is the rope here for you for Staley? Because it just feels like this team is off again. Yeah, there's gonna be way too many parties that are gonna be interested in that head coaching job. And if if things go the direction I think they're gonna go, to your point with the way the defense is playing right now, which is supposed to be Staley's calling card, he'll be out of there and they're gonna bring in an offensive mind who is gonna sell that organization the fact that they're gonna maximize Justin Herbert. Now, that being said, I think people are probably starting to have some reservations about Herbert and if he can make the big throws in the big games, in the big moments. Because, it, I mean, as much as he's been fantastic to start his career, statistically speaking, there's also been that hurdle of getting him past the Chiefs, and it's, he just hasn't been able to do it. And, and look, if you're comparing Mahomes and, and Herbert, Herbert's just not to that level yet. And I don't know that he ever will be as a passer, but he's got a strong arm and he can do some and make some throws and do some things that no one else in the NFL can do, or I, I should say few can. But as far as like the passing and the touch and being able to shape throws, that's the element that, you know, he lacks as compared to Mahomes. I mean, you, you, for example, you look at the throw to Rasheed Rice in the back of the end zone. I, I just, I don't see Herbert make those sort of throws where he can throw with enough arc and pace to get over the defense. But again, trajectory to drop it into Rice at the back of the end zone. Like, that's passing the football. I think Herbert's so big and so strong, and with that release, the way he kind of comes more from the mm-hmm. side, it ends up being more of a, of a, like a throw and a fastball than anything else. And that was kind of, a, you know, some of the knock on him coming out of Oregon. Uh, in the Senior Bowl in particular, they really try to work on some of his touch and his ability to do that. And to me, personally, like, you have to articulate your arm a little bit more with the way you release the ball. Mm-hmm. And I think for Herbert, he doesn't do that. Like, he's more just kind of a... Uh, not a sidearm thrower, but it's definitely a lower release for a guy who's every bit of six six and, and a physical phenom. So, uh, I, I, again, I don't know if he'll ever be the pass Mahomes will be, but mm-hmm. he's got the talent, the ability, and I'm sure after the season, if it goes to the wayside, 
there's going to be some offensive mind that sells that organization and being able to get the most out of Herbert. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of in-season changes at coaches. Like, I think it's got to be an abject disaster for it to happen. And, and I think they've probably got to be a little worried about the turmoil and adding to this with, with Herbert right now. But it just sucks for them after, like, this early on in the season to feel like it's lost, right? Where you've been humbled by the three contenders that you faced, the Dolphins, the Chiefs, and the Cowboys. Like, all of them beat you. And your only wins are against the Raiders and the Vikings. Like, you lost the Titans, for God's sakes. Your defense doesn't look good. Your quarterback doesn't look like he's taking a step. Um, You know, your big first-round acquisition of a wide receiver is a no-show so far to start the year. Like, I just, it's hard for me to squint and see positives here. And I I don't know. It just, it kind of feels like maybe they're actually a team that should have the in-season shakeup. Because I I don't want to have, go through a full year of this if I'm a Chargers fan. Like, I don't want to have these same conversations over and over and over again. And yeah, I think if there's somebody out there or somebody inside that they view as a bit of a step up or a bit of a change, then I, I don't know. I, I'm already at the point where I think that you, you make that decision. Like the Browns are four and two and they've had PJ Walker as their quarterback, right? Like Gardner Minshew's out here scrapping away and, and making exciting games. Like you look around the league and it's not a ton of great quarterback play and teams are finding ways to win. And then this Chargers team that's supposed to have all this talent isn't like, to me, that's the biggest criminal offense that you could do in sports is be this talented and then just like underachieve to this degree where your season is essentially over and it's October 23rd. Yeah, I think some of that could have to do with Kellen Moore too, being a new OC and, and slowing his way through this process as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to your point, I mean, Tyson Bajan, for example, for the Bears, right. right? he steps in, you know, Division II player, granted like the best in Division II at Shepard, but, you know, he gets a win, is able to, is able to play, you know, significantly better than, than I think maybe people anticipated. So, I understand that point, and I think the only problem is, is like, if you move on from Staley, like, who are you going to on that staff that you yeah. feel like is going to do a good job or, you know, help keep people engaged in all of it? Like, that's – look, this is a good roster. I think that's the other point is they're too talented on paper not to be more competitive, not to come away with seeing the most out of this group uh, week in and week out. Like, they, they've, he's been there long enough where I think you should see more consistency from them. Mm-hmm. And, and the only consistent thing I think we've seen from the charges is that – they're disappointing. Mm-hmm. Like they, they've, they've been consistent with their ability to compete at the highest level. Uh, and the only other thing I just touch on is, you know, you talked about the Chargers fan base. Maybe the Chargers showed up to LA. I mean, it feels like every single game the Chargers are playing is an away game. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if the organization looking at maybe trying to go back to San Diego, it seems like that ship sailed, but they don't have any sort of momentum or any sort of, you know, presence anywhere they go. And I think that's a really tough spot to be in for a team playing in the NFL when you're playing 17 games that feel like all you're, you're on the road the entire time. You know what, though? If I'm ownership, this is only what makes me even more pissed off because we should have had Justin Herbert. We should have been able to capitalize on this to a degree after the move. And, and this is what happens when you stink is you can't really build a fan base. Who wants to go to Chargers games? Like, who would, who would I, want to invest in the Chargers when you're looking at them and saying, oh, yeah, the team that finds ways to lose every single week? Like, they're one of the most frustrating teams in the NFL. I don't want to sign up for that. I, I would argue this, though, and I think you probably saw this this past week yeah. in L.A. In, in so far with the Rams taking on Steelers. It, it didn't feel like a Rams home game, did it? Like, yeah. It's no disrespect to the folks in L.A. It's just not a great market for sports. So I think when you've got the beach and the sun and everything else and other things to do, you don't have as diehard of those fan bases. And so, you know, for me, like looking at the Chargers move from San Diego to, to L.A., you're competing with another franchise that's already won a Super Bowl, had been to two, mm-hmm. and, and there's just there's too, there's too much competition in my opinion. And I think that's where ultimately 
you find, you know, you find it just hard to create that sort of environment that you're looking for, even though it might make a better business model, it doesn't make, make, you know, necessarily a better home field advantage for their team. So Deshaun Watson leaves the Browns game early and he, his head hit the turf, but he's also talking about the shoulder thing. And the way he was talking about it after the post game was like, we made a decision for me not to go in. Not that the concussion spotter said, you can't do this. Do you think that the Browns excitement of just all of a sudden they're this team that finds ways to win games. They have a Garrett playing this way where it's just like, Oh yeah, he's in the defensive player of the year conversation. Like he's single-handedly winning them some football games. Do you think this is that excitement is undercut by what's happening with Deshaun Watson right now? Um, it, it, it's it's hard for me to say if it's being undercut by. I think Browns fans take wins however they can, you know. At this uh, that's point, fair. and the, the you know, the, you know, the, sometimes the, the simplest is, answer is the correct one, and you just said that, and I was like, yeah, just no, never mind. <laughs> it's like they got wins. Enough of the people I've talked to yeah. about it have already kind of like even when they signed him, mm-hmm. they were like with everything he had done and whatever was alleged or happened and all that, they just kind of resorted to like, we just want to win. Like, like we just want to win. We don't care how we just want to win. And I think, look, they'd, I'm sure they'd love to have Deshaun Watson out there letting the league up. And I was always sold by a bill of goods from the front office that he's a top five quarterback, top five. I'm like, look, maybe you want to make the statistical case, you know, his last year in Houston where they went four and 12 when he played because mm-hmm. he led the league in passing yards. And, and maybe you can make the case statistically, but I don't know that we ever looked at him really that way. I felt like that was a lot of garbage time yards in production. Mm. And now he gets into a Brown situation where he did not play well last year. He's not played well this year. But they've given him $230 million fully guaranteed. So I don't know how much of a sense of urgency he has to get back because uh-huh. of how good their ground game is and, and, and obviously their defense right now. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just it's hard to get a sense for, like, does he really love football? Does he want to play football? I mean, honestly, like, that was one where, to your point, it didn't seem like from his shoulder he's been medically cleared, from the concussion pro- protocol he was cleared, and it sounded like it was St- Stefanski who just basically said, yeah, we're, we're just not going to put you back in. Mm-hmm. And maybe they're okay. With, and by the way, I don't think Stefanski was on board with signing him in the first place. I think that was more of an ownership front office decision. And they find themselves now at 4-2 and two in the thick of a, a potential playoff run, and, and this, their quarterback has nothing to do with it. Their quarterback play, by the way, doesn't have much to do with it. You know, no, it's not like P.J. Walker's played extremely well in his place anyway. So no. it, it's a really interesting spot for the Browns to be. Because, it, it, I mean, this team, to me, could compete and beat Baltimore, could beat Kansas City, Buffalo, anyone you want to talk about in the AFC, with what they're showing right now, despite the quarterback play. So imagine if they just had average quarterback play and how good they, they could potentially be. But that's why it's like I, I'm a Browns fan. That You just want him back. And you just need Watson to be okay. Because, yeah, P.J. Walker... Yeah, that wasn't good. <laughs> it's like, all of a sudden, things are breaking the Browns' ways where other teams are missing field goals and they're getting phantom penalties that are allowing to set them up and they're getting a ball over the end zone by an inch with Kareem Hunt dashing it in. Like Everything broke their way for that to win one. P.J. Walker did not step in and play admirably. It was bad. He, he, he had two throws, basically. Two nice throws, two plays downfield, and they were able to capitalize. So good for them. But yeah, this is a defensive team. And yeah, the defense wasn't even that great this week, but at least they made plays. I just... If I'm a Browns fan, all I'm hoping for is don't lose this year. Please, Deshaun, get back and play. And and I think the the question that you raised of does he really care, I think that's the big one right now. It just it feels like from all the reporting around that shoulder, from the way that he came out of that game, and just the the general energy around Deshaun Watson right now, it's like I don't think it's 
I, I think some people are having regrets. And well, it, it just feels well, like something ugly is going to break. Uh, let me ask you this. If, if, let's just say you, know, you inherited $230 million. No, I wouldn't care about anything. Or something. No. I mean, that, like, I'll, I'll be real with you. This is the, the bigger discussion is like, this is what happens when you give a guy a fully guaranteed deal in the NFL. This is what's wrong with the NBA right now, load management. Is what, what can the organization say in the NBA? Mm-hmm. Nothing. They, they can try to penalize the guys or fine guys. I mean, ultimately, like, there's guaranteed contracts. Like, you gave them that. The mm-hmm. Browns gave Deshaun Watson a five year, fully guaranteed deal. And this is why it will probably never happen again because every single owner is looking at this saying, yeah, I'm not sure I want that at my most, the most important position, a guy that isn't willing to put it all out there, given his financial security. Instead, it's like the exact opposite. It's like he's being extremely careful, and he's actually looking at saying, yeah, I, I'm not sure how motivated I am to get out there until I feel like I'm 100%. Where I think their thinking was, no, we'll give him this contract, and he'll be, he'll be you know, crawling to get back to, out, out there in the field, whether he's healthy or not, to try to lead this team. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty suspect. You know, I don't think he would be on the uh, USA flag football team at the Olympics. I think that they would they would hold oh, Deshaun out. Don't like get me started on that. He's not, don't get me started dude, on that. No, come I'm on. so tired of us trying to take away the physicality of football. Like oh, we, that. Okay, like nice. They're trying to sell me, just trying to sell me seven on seven, trying to yeah. sell me flag football. Like, look, I understand it's fun for kids and all that stuff. I started playing tackle football in third grade. Yeah. And I know there's parents and people who are like, well, sure. what about head injuries? You're, you're, you're talking about third grade. No, yeah. no kids are running fast enough, can hit hard enough yeah. to have a head injury at that age. And so you're taught the proper way if you have the right coaching, how to tackle at a young age, which helps you when you get older and, under, and you understand how to play the game. I think we're doing a disservice to a lot of young people by trying to get them to play flag in some of these other sports because it's not football. Mm-hmm. It is a different brand of football. And, and I, look, I understand people are excited about it, but it's like either put in real American football or, like, stop trying to sell me on flag football. I, I just, I, I'm, I'm so tired of us trying to, like, tamper down the physicality and brutality of what football is, which yeah. is honestly what makes it great. Mm-hmm. I, I, I agree. I just, I strongly believe that in our lifetime we might see that be flag. <laughs> you know, we like, it's the way things are going. But, but, that, but that, I, that's, uh, that's what I'm saying. It's like, I know. we're laying the ground road. We're laying the ground road for saying like, yeah, this sport might end up being too dangerous and maybe some study, more studies come out and it becomes a point of like, yeah, they're not willing to do this anymore. And honestly, the thing I love the most, what we saw last night was domination by the Phillies D line and O line. Mm-hmm. Like that still wins championships yet. We're, we're, we're trying to advertise for a sport. That's nothing like, what we get to watch on Thursday nights and Sunday nights and Sunday and Monday. I think part of it though, is it's under the, it's, it's under the guise of, well, maybe the rest of the world could compete at this, right? Like I think in women's flag football that, uh, yeah, the UK that they're the champs, right? They, they, they just won. Wait, you're shaking your heads. They didn't win the guys. USA. Oh, is the USA? Oh, I thought that they won. My bad. Okay, so then never mind. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, anyway, my, I, way, I was just having fun. Way, no one's going to compete with us. No yeah. one's going to compete oh, with us. Dude, the only way course, it's going to be like if we, if we want to send over yeah. our lesser team to no. compete, that's the only chance they have. You would have to send the lesser of the lesser of the lesser teams. Like you would have to, it would actually have to be a challenge where they would go, we have to try to find the group that would match up poorly. No, what I just thought was funny, and I just, I think, Man, every once in a while, the internet is just like the internet sucks so often. There's so many times where I open up my phone and I look at Twitter and I go like, why, why did I do this? 
Like, why did I even come on here? I just end up feeling worse about my day, about myself, whatever. And then every once in a while, there's the memes of what the NFL players would do in the flag football. Did you see any of those this weekend? Like, where it would be like Tyreek, like the Iranian grocery store clerk when he tries to match up with <laughs> Tyreek Hill in a flat. With, with Tyreek Hill, yeah. right? Like, yeah. like James Bradbury and that yeah. guy that saved over yeah, top. Like, can't even come close to covering him on yeah. the go-round. But yeah, that, he, Iran's going to have a shot That's at that. That's Good what luck. I mean. Every single one of those just absolutely killed me. I could not get enough. There was just infinite infinite memes of what NFL players would do against different insert job from different country. And every one of them worked. They were great. I must've sent a thousand of them to friends. I think I got a thousand back and I just want to say, let's, let's allow this to be a thing for just a little while longer. I'm not tired of it yet. I loved it. I loved every second of it. Uh, Brady. I'll I'll take, I'll take that over more talk about Taylor Swift. I mean, my goodness. Like I I I saw that she wore a bracelet though. She wore a bracelet. With she Travis. hasn't been to the Monday Night Football game right yet for the Chiefs. She hasn't been to one of those. You know what I do respect, though, is somebody told me a Swifty. I was informed by a Swifty that she won't do the Super Bowl because she knows she would ruin it because her fans would buy all the tickets. I respect that. Wow. I mean, that's one way of looking at it. I mean, my understanding is if you do perform, you have to pay for it. So they don't pay you, right, because you get the platform. It's millions of people. Wow. So my understanding is, like, you have to pay for it, which – I don't know. She seems to be doing pretty well on her own tour. Why, why would why would she want to have to pay for something that she made grosses over a billion dollars for on her own tour? That's an international tour. Like yeah. I don't know that she needs the Super Bowl. That's like when you I found out the strippers pay to go up on the stage. Like I didn't like this is the same thing. Like I did not know. <laughs> it's the exact. It's the exact same thing. It's just, it's true? exposed. Yeah, to, not like they pay. To go up. They, they, they I love how away. you played this card. Is that true? Is that, uh, what? I, I had no idea about yeah. that. I, yeah. I, I, now, I, I didn't think that they were they were getting anything to go up there. I thought they'd kind of get what they get while they're up there. But no. yeah. I did not know they have to give like, a piece back. Oh, yeah. They got to give a piece back. They go up on stage. It's the showcase. It's, it's a Super Bowl halftime show. <laughs> You're getting – it's advertising. It's an advertising for the rest of uh, the things you do. Anyways, uh, buddy, I always enjoy it. Thanks for making time today. Yeah, yeah, thanks for go. teaching me something. That last you taught moment. me something, I, I taught you that. something. You know, you taught me something about your world football, and I tell you something about my world, which is shadiness. Yeah, well, <laughs> I learned a lot today. Yeah. I appreciate that. That's good. See you next week, pal. Uh, there he goes, Brady Quinn, former NFL QB and uh, our Monday morning insider. Anyways, uh, I got to say, before we go, I, I didn't really talk about the Eagles because I wanted to save it for this. Is like, I, I, I learned that Jalen Hurts has more turnovers this season than he did all of last year. And there's this weird thing with the Eagles where they're, they're dominant. They're just so physically dominant and the defense is, is good. They completely shut down the Dolphins. If I'm a Dolphins fan, I'm kind of realizing that, yeah, we're probably not going to set offensive records anymore. Uh, we might not be as special. I don't think two is going to win MVP. He's lost to the two good teams that he's faced. That's a that's a humbling one for them. Like again, they, they're just that they're it's fine. They're in the tier below. I think they're gonna smash like not great teams yeah. and then probably get beat Lose by to the exactly. good ones. Yeah, um, I will say that they are gonna get back to corners that are very 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 good. Yep, they've had some injuries, but the thing about the NFL is like everybody's beat up. There's an injury everywhere. But the Eagles are interesting because it's like I don't love a lot of what I'm seeing from Hurts, but he deserves credit 
for yesterday's game, but like he choked away the Jets game. He's got 10 turnovers already this season. I thought that he was careless at times last night. And yeah, if if the game goes a couple of different ways where they grab a face mask or they don't get that slay interception, I do wonder what the conversation would have been around him. But you know what really saved him? You know what really just put him over the top? It was A.J. Brown, mm. who was incredible. And I got to ask you, Mackie, put your mic on. Did you watch the game? Yes, I watched it. Yeah, okay. What is it like watching this guy right now when this is the thing that your team doesn't have? You finally got him. You could have had him under contract. And you let him walk. And he's just in the Eagles. He looks perfect in that uniform. He's just a physical specimen. He's just dominating down the field over and over and over again. Like, he won that game for the Eagles. He was their offense. The push, the push for sure, because it allows them, whenever they're fourth and short, you go, is this the time they're going to get stopped? No, they just drive forward. That <laughs> offensive line and the, the, the push and hurts his legs. They're so physical. But it's just got to be a nightmare watching this guy dominate for the Eagles every single game. Oh, poor Mackie. Yeah, it's not great. It's, yeah. uh, you know what really cements the point, J.D., is yeah. A.J. Brown this season has 809 yards. Yeah. Titans receivers combined this season have 700. Higher receiving corpse. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I wish they had, they didn't even get paid that much. It's a, no. it's, a, it's a horrible, horrible place to be in. Yeah. It's crazy. And, and I don't cheer for him, to be honest with you. You don't cheer for him. No, but I'm a, I'm a petty. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You are. You, sure. you know what though? You're the kind of fan I respect. Yeah, I've always I like said a petty this. fan. Like, no, I love Mackie, a petty fan. Maggie's always been the right way with fandom. Like he's not an apologist fan. He's super pissed at the team when they lose. He's super pissed at them when they make bad trades. But then he never does the whole like, well, I hope this guy's good in his new yeah, landing yeah. spot, which so many fans do. He's like, no, you're gone from the team. No, I hate you. I cheer purely for the uniform. I yeah. love it. Actually, you should have took less money, AJ. Come yeah, yeah. <laughs> should have taken less money his NFL career. Anyway, AJ Brown think, looked sick in those Kelly Green jerseys too. Everybody does. Dark. Visor. Everybody does, though. Everybody looks. Those jerseys are uh, splendid. They're, can also, can the Giants keep their? Can the Giants keep those? Yeah, Giants and then? Eagles. Here's those the, are, here's those the are thing. Great. Everyone in that division has incredible uniforms. It's the best division for uniforms, I would say, in any sport. Like those four teams. When the Cowboys go with their whites, mm. when the Eagles go with those light green throwbacks. When the Giants go with the, you know, the whites with the the helmet from that, like, oh, they're so clean. And then I actually think Washington across the board, they can just throw basically anything together and they look incredible. Like, they're so nice. They're just the color combination. Good color. They're, I wish they yeah, stuck with the numbers so, on the helmets. Yeah, me too. I wish they would have just been the Washington football team. I hate that they're the commanders. I know. And so here's yeah. the thing about the football team. With the, uh, great cycle for the football team. It came out and everybody thought it was so bad. No, and then great. like halfway no, through the first right year, everyone was, was like, right no, I'm in. No, it's so great. It was so great. <laughs> All of those teams have gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous uniforms. And it's just sometimes they make the worst decisions. Like, by the way, the Colts. Oh, awful. Awful. That reminded me. The Colts awful. looked like I remember I got a like every like my grandfather used to shop at Giant Tiger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he used to bring me back like leaf stuff from GT. Yeah, yeah. And every time and the way that they would like market as like this is not the real gear was hey, it's maybe please like that blue and that black and that <laughs> triggered my childhood of wearing of these like off, GT boutique. Yeah, <laughs> GT boutique all the gifts from my grandpa would be like I got you a leaf jersey I'd be like yeah, sure. <laughs> I also had when I was blue and black as a Yeah, kid. yeah, those are the knockoff uh, GT boutiques. 
Anyways, shout out to my grandpa Dave. Uh, all right, quick break. Let's uh, close this sucker up with what we missed. Sportsnet 590, the fan. All right, UFC 294 was this past weekend, Saturday afternoon. And as I mentioned, it was uh, extremely disappointing. Let's just start. I'm, I'm rapid fire through this thing in terms of, yeah, what sucked and what didn't. <laughs> so there was a big. So we're, we're all waiting for Magomed Ankalev and Johnny Walker. It's supposed to be a great fight. It's a great matchup. Super excited for it. Two very interesting enjoyably aesthetic fighters and Ankalev is kind of putting it on him in the first round gets Johnny Walker down to a knee. He's got him in the clinch and he knees an opponent in the head down opponent, which as we all know, if you're a fan of the fight game, you, you can't, you can't knee it down opponent. Yeah. Johnny was up on the cage. Yeah. Johnny's yeah. up on the cage. It's kind of an in-betweener. It was, it didn't look as dirty, but still Ankalev got to know better. Yeah. Uh, they give him time because it's an illegal blow and the doctor comes in and he asks Johnny Walker, who looks a little stunned, whatever, but he's just like in a fight. Yeah. Doesn't speak. This isn't his primary language. And he asked, he's asked what country he's in. And instead of giving the full five minutes, the referee just decides to blow the fight dead. And there's chaos that ensues. Like Johnny Walker runs across cage, starts trying to fight like the official Dana White has to run in there and tell yeah. everybody to calm down. I actually like Dana White. He came in and he's like, Hey, don't screw around or you're going to lose more than just this fight. He said, <laughs> which I thought was a great line. Just right off the cuff, Dana White, just <laughs> running in there, yeah. essentially alluding to the fact like, Hey, Google Paul Daly. See Google Paul Daly. See if you've ever heard of him. Cause you might be him. If you do anything else, stupid, super disappointing, just super disappointing result. And yeah, ugh. I don't know how, I, I got to say, I don't know how they get the doctors, the independent doctors. I don't know how they get these jobs. I don't know. They, they obviously, this guy had zero. It wasn't the first time that car I know, that that's he what had I mean. done something too. Yeah, I, I don't know where they get these guys from. I don't know if they even pay attention to fighting. Obviously, they're not supposed to be in the pocket of the UFC. I understand that. But man, it's, there's five minutes. Take a beat. Mm-hmm. See if he's got a translator. Make sure that he's speaking the same language you are because... God, those those fans that pay big money to be there and the UFC that has an important Saturday is just, uh, you, it can be spoiled. Like, it just spoils the entire atmosphere of the fight. You wait all day for the main card. The main card happens. You get the heavyweights in there and they're throwing blows and immediately a doctor comes in and ruins the fight. It's yeah. just disappointing. I, I don't know what the hell they do, though, because you have to have the independent guy. You almost want it that the person is not a fight fan for the safety of the fighters. Yep. But this is just the risk you get with having it this way, which is an absolute nightmare. Two. <sighs> this should have been a breakout for Hamzat. And I felt like it went the opposite. He yeah. beats Usman. He has a great first round. And then what, what, what did I talk about with Ariel on the weekend? Hey, aren't we pretty suspicious of this guy's gas tank? Aren't we suspicious of his ability to kind of hang in a fight for three rounds and actually be able to push the pace the way that he does in the first? Because in the first, like, he's dominant. He's incredible. Mm-hmm. But Usman, to me, if you would have wanted to score the last two rounds for him before the takedown, I, I, I think he was right there. He's kind of picking him apart. And this is a guy who just came off the couch. And yeah. so, to me, any idea that Hamzad is going to be some incredible champion, I, I, don't, I don't see it because I just don't think that he's going to have the lungs for five-round fights. I just don't think that he's going to be able to hang around for these big-ticket events. And if you can just survive 
you got a really good shot against him. And maybe some of it isn't his fault because, again, this is a guy who had a really, really tough bout with COVID. When he got it, he got the long COVID. He had real complications with it. Thought he was going to retire. So maybe this is part of the reason why he can't get his cardio up. But either way, it just you, you can't sell him to me anymore as what we had once hoped he would be when he was turning around fights and doing the smash your face and do all this stuff. It's like, yeah, he didn't do it. it Kamaru Usman off the couch kind of hung with you in a fight. And An looked better. Look, yeah, exactly. Looked better than you for long stretches of it. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, I know that <laughs> they didn't want Makachev to face Volk here. We don't know if it ever would have happened again necessarily, but I just feel like the UFC completely blew it with these th- these this matchup. It could have been something that you sold in a really huge way down the line, and instead they rushed it, and Volk clearly didn't look ready in the fight. And sh- like... Good for Makachev because he was dominant and the the kick was beautiful and he looked better from the, you know, opening yeah, like from everything. Just the looked way he looked even bigger than Volk from the first fight. Mm-hmm. Soon as they started the fight, he looked way better. But it just it sucks to lose that. And what also sucks is I, I love Volk. A lot of people do. It's not gonna take too much of the bloom off of him in terms of his legacy and his career and all these different things. But I, I think for fans where you're trying to look at a fighter as indestructible and you want to have a guy who is just a dominant, dominant, dominant champion. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. It's tough to have him now at the top for the pound for pound. And I think it's going to be a little bit tougher to sell some of his fights moving forward. Anyways, that was uh, the UFC breakdown, but yeah, I just thought kind of a crappy day. I just left a, Sour taste in my mouth. That was a weird watching. time too. Like 2 p.m. The main card yeah, started. Yeah, but I actually don't is... mind that because it, yeah. like I have a busy day and there's the Leafs game and I don't want to miss any of the the actual main card. So I actually love it when the UFC goes. It's perfect timing. It's, yeah, actually, it's, it's perfect. It was great. <laughs> I absolutely loved it. Uh, all right, what's next? Uh, Leon Dreisaitl on the weekend had some mm-hmm. comments after the that overtime loss to Winnipeg yeah, by Stuart right. Skinner. Yeah, playing. What, what do you say to Stewart after uh, he went out to, to challenge that puck that went around the boards? What do you want me to say to him? You made a mistake, like, big deal. Yeah, nothing nothing to say to him. We all make mistakes. Anyway, um, <laughs> if you, yeah, I wish people could see his face because yeah, just he's... just like abject disgust. Oh, yeah, he's so <laughs> he's pissed. He's incredulous. Ooh. So I don't think the question is very good. No offense to the reporter... Like, I know you got to go in there every day just the same way as I got to do a show every day. It's, there's, these aren't perfect. Those aren't perfect. You always want questions back. You always kind of, you can stumble through stuff at times. I totally get it. So this is not like a deep critique of the reporter. I just thought it was kind of like a, what do you say to him is sort of a, yeah. Like, what did you expect his answer was going to be? I think he was sort of asking it as a support question, not like mm. a hammer him question. But this sort of tells you about the tenor around the Oilers right now, I think, because their goaltending has been bad. Mm-hmm. And now McDavid is hurt. Yeah. And they're not getting depth scoring. And Evander Kane looks a step slow. I'm watching some Oilers games, okay? Like, Wait, I'm on dialed. the Oilers. Like, I, <laughs> yeah, I'm dialed in. I, uh, Oiler, everybody likes to watch the Oilers. And this is a team, again, with Stanley Cup aspirations. And there's a team that everybody's picking to win the Stanley Cup. And whatever. Again, it's a couple games in the season. It's mm-hmm. October 23rd. It's not a big, but it just, there's a dry side all, it seems to rub him the wrong way. Like, this isn't the first time. He had the one run-in with the reporter from a couple of years ago where everybody took his back, but this is a reporter asking a question, like, what do you say to him? And you're disgusted already. And I I just thought, this is is telling me something about the mental state of where the Oilers are at to start this year, which is that they're already tired of this stuff. 
And yeah, a lot of there's certain athletes like Dry Saddle, I think, who just like they want to go through with just only doing the commercials where they shoot pucks at Chris Pronger and they just want to have a good time and not be questioned by any media members or not have to deal with any market pressure. And that's cool. But yeah, I thought that that was a little insightful. I actually did. All right. What's next? Edmonton opened the season, lost four of the first five games. Oh, we so. got to do freak time. Freak okay, time. freak time. Yeah, so uh, Damian Lillard is not a fan of the proposed uh, co- combo nickname for him and Giannis Attentacumpo of freak time. Yeah. Dame said, quote, I'm not invested in that at all. Yeah. Uh, look, we're not always in lockstep on this show, but uh-huh. I think we can all agree that freak time is not it. Yeah. Anyone... <laughs> You're in, Joseph. I don't think it's not bad. <laughs> this, I think it's pretty bad. Yeah, I think, I think it's awful. I think it's pretty bad. Uh, it's it's quite awful. Um, it, like, let's just say what it freak is. Like, it just sounds like yeah, those two guys are a couple. Yeah, <laughs> you'd say you have to say it too. Like, freak like yeah, time. it's freak time, and it's you're like, no, no, it's like yeah, it's like Ugh. those two guys are going to bed. Like that's it. So like yeah, that. obviously he doesn't like it. It's just a weird. It's a weird, weird, weird nickname. Uh, yeah, I, it's it's not sorry. It's not a weird nickname so much as it is just like a uncomfortable sounding nickname. Yeah. Also, freak time is Giannis Antetokounmpo was wife. Remember he showed off that bell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's freak time. Yeah. Is yeah, when yeah, the yeah. bell when he rings that yeah. bell that he posted on his IG live. <laughs> but yeah, I could see Damian Lillard not wanting that. Also, sure. it's like he's second billing in it too. Sure. It's like yeah. freak first time, time to freak. second. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Time to freak is actually a little bit better because it's like. You could, every time he throws him a lob or something, you're like, time to freak. Ah, okay. You know, that cr- works. Freak time is not good. No. Favorite, freak time. Favorite sports nickname of all time? The answer. The answer, nice. Yeah, I loved the I answer. I was thinking about this question. And the Iceman, George Gervin. George Gervin. Yeah. I really like Minister of Defense for Reggie White as like yeah. the super <laughs> religious <laughs> ordained minister. Yeah, that's pretty good. That was a good it's one. not a bad one. Biggest miss in nickname history? Because I've thought about this a lot. Okay, The fact that KD didn't like Slim Reaper. It's a joke. Uh, I think KD was just always kind of awkward for him. Anyway, subscribe to the podcast. Leave five stars. We'll see you tomorrow. What you eating there?